Hey, welcome to Your Voice Matters podcast. This fourth season is entitled Voices for Change. In this regard, I will interview different industry experts, business leaders and change makers. My guests use their voice and expertise to make the world a better place. Many of my guests were at some point my clients, others not, but all of them have an important message to share with the world. My guest in today's episode is Vaya Sigmas, brand communication strategist, digital marketing advisor and creative director. Her primary background is in political science and international relations slash African politics. After that, she specialized in luxury business management, art direction for fashion and photography. After serving in different communication positions, both in the public and private sectors, at the age of 27, she founded her own consulting office and creative studio dedicated to fashion, design, luxury, and other arts of living brands. Vaya, welcome to this podcast. Hello, Ines. Thank you. Vaya, besides um, coaching, mentoring, and advisory services, you also provide insights about consumer intelligence and marketing forecasts. So how is your brand as a brand consultant and expert in this field? Well, um, first of all, allow me just to say it's a pleasure to be here uh, in such a delightful and hopeful podcast. Um, it's uh, an honor to have been invited to contribute uh, to this inspiring platform that you are creating. So thanks. Um, so yes, I, I assist independent designers, luxury houses, art of living companies, as you said. Um, but in... Uh, I mean by out of living accessories, perfume, beauty, hospitality. Uh, this is why I call them art of living to summarize it well. But uh, And I assist my clients in the development of their brand strategies, digital ecosystems and content marketing with the view of increasing their brand equity. So yes, my work is pretty diverse, uh, as you imagine. Uh, I would say it's constant and always evolving kind of job, uh, which is a thing I love about it. And it has been uh, even busier this last couple of years for reasons I'm sure you already have guessed. Um, indeed, the pandemic and more particularly the lockdowns have prompted clients to ask for more support. They asked to increase their online presence. We consider mm -hmm. the whole communication strategy. So some still need to become more digitalized altogether. Um, but I would say that this transition has now been advanced for most businesses, um, although many are still somewhere in the learning curve uh, to really embrace opportunities of digital communications and marketing. So for me, it has meant room for more work <laughs> and opportunities to make a real difference for those brands' existence, uh, especially in difficult times, and help bring their vision and creativity uh, offer to the world, where uh, especially online. So, um, so that's uh, a big chunk of my job right now. <laughs> And so you mentioned, and it's it's a, it's a very interesting uh, work. And as you said, it's always evolving and it's challenging because the world changed and the way brands 
must communicate uh, is different, you know, and everything's changed very quickly. And you mentioned that with the, this this pandemic, this couple of years uh, that we've been through, the, the brands wanted to be more digital. And I think we... Yes. What I associate with, you know, the art of living uh, brands, it's the experience, the customer experience. So how can we, I imagine, how the brands do it in the digital world? So you, how is this transition of having a, a digital, a good digital experience as in a luxury field, I would say? Yes. Well, good digital experience implies... Um, of course, lots of things. Um, but one of the the aspects I really work on with clients is um, image and uh, strong a strong brand image. And I, I stress uh, this importance as well as user experience uh, in a world where people's average attention span uh, is eight seconds. Um, image is everything. And uh, actually... That number is probably outdated now because uh, since this number was presented um, in a Microsoft Corporation marketing study published in 2015. So my guess is that seven years later, uh, with two years of COVID and an increased digitalized lifestyle, it's even less. Uh, but yes, image is highly important. And if you manage to seize somebody's attention, then experience and user's experience is going to make all the difference. So we focus a lot on those two key elements in our work with clients to better communicate their brand uh, online and give a good experience. Yes, the attention span is really, really short <laughs> and maybe shorter than it was seven years ago. So it's important to create a first good impression. And of course, the experience is, you know, everything, you know, how is the, the web page, the communication, the content. And so I guess you also help your clients to, you know, what's the content, what should be, you know, the image. When you say image is is exactly you know, the, the graphic part, the, you know, the design part <laughs> or, or yes. the, the photography. Yes, it is. But it, it, indeed, it's not. Only that, um, of course, there's packaging and graphic design and photography and, and video. The, all these things, all these elements of communications are connected, but it, it, it's beyond that. It will also be um, that there's a match between those images that were refined by professionals and the way uh, the owner is going to speak in front of people, with clients, with uh, stakeholders. And uh, so an image is really something that has to start with uh, thinking about the values and the mission, and then everything can be aligned and, and the behavior, of course. So, um, so yes, that's another aspect. But so, yes, as... Um, as, as you said earlier, uh, I own several hats and uh, my first uh, and foremost one is brand communication strategy. So meaning I accompany brands at a strategic level to design or reshape a communication plan uh, in adequation with their business goals with, while taking into account their audience ecosystems, uh, the competitive landscape and also their set of data, we analyze their KPIs and return on investment of previous campaigns and always look for improvement, but 
also new ways to express their originality, their personality. Um, so that that's key. And yet, um, to mention the kind of work I do for, for these brands, uh, in order to do that job well, I very often was confronted with the fact that my clients still needed to have a better understanding of basic digital management of a company um, mm -hmm. from how to well communicate about their brands and products online uh, with which tools and how to set them up uh, to how to use digital tools, softwares, platforms to better manage projects, prospects, clients, and content. So mm -hmm. having myself learn about all, all of these um, over the years, uh, I was thinking I, I could uh, really help advice on this and mm -hmm. just to, doesn't mean they will have to do all the tasks by themselves, but for the sake of their health, I hope they don't, but <laughs> it helps right. them understand what needs to be done and why and how, and then it becomes easier for them to launch impactful projects and delegate the task with them supervising the operation. So it's really about empowering them in that way as well. At least knowing how everything works, even if it's not you that do exactly this or that, this is insane for an entrepreneur yes. to try to do it, <laughs> everything by themselves. Yeah. I know you, you know what I'm talking about. And I, all, <laughs> I also know, I also know that. Um, yeah, for sure. You mentioned that the part of the, of the brand and image is also the way the founder, for example, presents, you know, to, to, to clients, to prospects. Um, so it's also, it's interesting because this is, you know, my field, which is the voice image that a brand has and every brand has a voice. And this is very yes. interesting because in a literal way, you have a voice because you have, you know, the founder uh, or someone who is, you know, prospecting and speaking to clients and that voice has to be aligned with the brand, but also you have, you know, the voice of the, which is more the content, you know, the, the image, everything. So when we are talking yes. about voice, we can see it both ways, you know, the literal voice <laughs> and then the other voice that you help as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think you, you said that the world is changing very, very fast. And one of the things that uh, prevail is the luxury industry. So it's very resilient, um, even with crisis, even with uh, major uh, world uh, things that happen. The luxury industry, industry is always um, growing in some way and also uh, has to reinvent Uh, themselves you know just try to be original again yes. and try to bring and do you think that this is a lot of you know the way we live things and the beauty and uh, the seek of trying to have new experiences with the brands and do you think this part of due to the to the lockdown to to people have not contact with having experiences are now we we are looking for To having new experiences, we're looking forward to it. Do you think the luxury industry benefit from all this privation, I would say, from the world? Well, yes, now we are looking for to go back in shop and have it, new experiences again. Then, But during the lockdowns, uh, the repetitive lockdowns, um, those industries uh, were able to 
respond quickly and manage to give other sorts of experiences online as well. So, um, so they managed to keep a conversation going. Uh, so that, that was, uh, well appreciated, especially by Gen Z who, uh, <laughs> younger people and those people in their own way suffered a lot from those lockdowns, not being able to go out and uh, interact with their friends. And so those experience online managed to really attract the attention of, of younger generation as well. So they come, those luxury brands now come out of, of this set repetitive lockdowns with uh, a stronger uh, bond with a uh, younger generation and manage to tell their stories in different ways through gaming and uh, um, sort of metaverse-like uh, experience online and and um, and also at the same time show their responsibility and their and the involvement uh, with helping with well COVID necessities uh, like. Um, um, clothing, uh, cleaning gel and, and uh, masks and things. So they managed to g get out with a good communication campaign, actually. And, mm -hmm. and now they're ready to really interact again in shops and uh, give more experience again in face-to-face, -face, for instance. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So keep the conversation going and adapting yes. to, to the needs and to what's happening at that point. So I think not only this industry, but we have we have a lot to learn from how this industry adapts to the client's needs. So how, what a normal, I would say, an, an entrepreneur from other fields, what can we learn from this? What do you think that we, what are the lessons that we can, you know, take away from this adjustments? So you mean to the pandemic uh, in general? Yeah, to the... Yes. And in the future, if something happens, how can we react quickly to our customers' needs? Yes. Well, certainly the pandemic was a wake-up call for being more digital uh, mm -hmm. friendly. So uh, these adaptation needed to happen fast. Uh, and now that they did, uh, they have, things are much more in place to be ready for next complicated situation. So for many, as I said, it was digitalization adaptation. Mm -hmm. they, the whole chain had to adapt with, uh, from yeah, sourcing and production to marketing and delivery to the doorstep, really. Um, mm -hmm. So, But since things, these things have now ha occurred, we see that companies will probably be more resilient with other difficult situations like that. But for the sake of um, discussing smaller designer, they were already in some ways more resilient to that situation because they work in smaller, with smaller production and they were able to continue to deliver if they had the stock. The difficulties for smaller people, smaller mm -hmm. brands were actually to um, access uh, their stock and 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 sourcing material if they were coming from uh, outside Europe, but mm -hmm. very often, very often, smaller brands uh, actually do work in in their means. So um, so that was easier sort of for them. But then for advertising into um, uh, into fairs and showrooms, that was. A difficulty they experience more because bigger brands have bigger audience and they can 
uh, organize shows on their own uh, online. That's what they did. They they did the digital uh, showroom, <laughs> a showroom, mm-hmm. no, which um, catwalks and organized videos to present their brands differently. But for smaller brands, it was more of an adjustment for that. And uh, so what we've seen is that during that time, there were digital showrooms uh, being taken into account. Th- those those businesses already existed, but they certainly receive more interest and more financial support now. Um, and so people have tried them on and they tested digital showrooms, they tested augmented realities, um, they tested more videos experience. Um, it doesn't mean that it will be maintained altogether, but we see that for smaller businesses, uh, uh, this has become more and more of a way to communicate, to access a bigger audience, um, not only the one they will access when they go to a Parisian showroom or it- Italian ones or to present mm-hmm. the collection to some buyers, because there is still another conversation going on that not only con- COVID, but yes, s- sustainability. And so people have been thinking about uh taking less planes um, and traveling Mm -hmm. less for fashion uh, events. So this like digital showroom can be an answer to people traveling less, even if they want to touch uh, materials and have Mm -hmm. the full experience. So uh, this Mm -hmm. will have a longer impact, of course, and, and definitely all the, things going around gaming industries with uh, the metaverse-like platforms uh, developing. Uh, This will also bring uh, the conversation on on digital platforms Mm -hmm. even more, but with a a sense of... Make it more real, make it more... Yes, yes. Touching all the senses, accepting maybe the smell. (laughs) Yes, perhaps. (laughs) <laughs> Perhaps that one is still a trigger, but um, yes. So that that's mainly what I we can observe. You you said that uh, you 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 said that, uh, and I found it interesting that some brands, smaller brands, um, they actually have a more local production, and mm-hmm. interesting that that makes probably them more resilient in terms of not depending so much on the prices of the of gas of you know even the transportation between continents um and also for the for yes. the for the planet maybe it's it's also good that the brands have maybe the plan b or even the plan a <laughs> to start you know using more local things uh to produce yes. their goods so maybe it's a good thing i don't know what's your opinion on that that's we must not rely so much on distant uh, transportation and relationships with with very far (laughs) factories and suppliers. Yes, yes. Well, it's true that for for some businesses on the other side of the planet, well, other side for us here in Europe, um, it's not always convenient uh, because they're, are creating goods that are mainly uh, produced for external markets. But at the same time, yes, uh, we need to have this bigger conversation about sustainability and ways that are um, good for the planet, good for 
for our own environment and good good for us. I mean, wearing um, clean materials and better better materials is 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 definitely better for 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 our skin, but also for our uh, personal economies um, because I mean, all these synthetic materials are are not always. Um, aging well so there's all these consideration and and yes there's more rules being put in place in in, in of regulation in in europe so for that we are well served if we start considering more um local brands and mm-hmm. um so it, it does have an impact and also mm-hmm. just to try to support creativity um because uh because those smaller brands are a younger designer that have a vision and 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 trying to make a living and and creativity is key because i mean if we all shop at <laughs> a bigger fashion fast fashion brands we we lack this sense of uh selecting and choosing something that is uh, suiting us and that is making us look a bit different and with more uh ch- yeah, living with more purpose and more self-determination of, of our own style, our own, mm-hmm. our own uh, way of being, yeah. And, and maybe it's just a shift in the in the paradigm and uh, the mindset, which is maybe I don't need 10 pair of jeans. Maybe I, you know, from a fast fashion, uh, you know, shop, maybe I just need two and very good, you know, that I like, that I choose, that I selected, that were made with in a conscious way but i think there's a lot of conversation around this and the 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 sustainability sometimes it's just a, a pretty you know word to have in the website so in your yes. opinion is this this transition mm-hmm. is really is real or is i would say you know i will be a bit provocative a, a greenwashing <laughs> yes uh, thing yes that- <laughs> I was thinking of that word when you just started your question. So yes, um, both answers are true. It really depends on the company. Uh, greenwashing or spending more on advertising a, a misleading image of ecological responsibility than really spending on environmental and sustainable development actions is indeed a real problem today. And and, and it is real, um, especially with bigger companies. Uh, On the other hand, some companies are really working on reducing their carbon footprints through uh, transforming their factories. Well, this, I've been following this, especially in Europe. Europe is trying Mm -hmm. to, European countries are trying to change their their buildings and the ecology of their buildings. And, um, but of course, this is with a vision for um, 2030 or 2050. Um, at the same time, there is also consideration for um, uh, changing their use of transportation. As for very specific example, Guerlain, Guerlain, the the, the mm-hmm. beauty brand, uh, is uh, investing now in uh, only uh, electrical truck to deliver to to the shops. Um, so, and they do it by night to avoid, uh, bothering other people and circulation, etc. And, uh, and there's discussion for all these bigger, more luxurious brands about, uh, reducing the, the, the impact of their transportation long-term, long-term and, uh, 
and mm -hmm. uh, boats and trying to shift to trains even to go to Asia. So these are conversations going on. Um, others are launching Second Life programs uh, for pieces mm -hmm. uh, from their previous collections. It's both at a high-end level. Um, recently, Isabelle Marant joined uh, this uh, sort of programs and and at the mass market level, for example, COS and HM have uh, in, entered this movement. Um, mm -hmm. And there is also an increase of participation into recycling programs, such as Nona Source, uh, a platform which collects dead stocks from LVMH Group. So these mm -hmm. uh, cover many. Uh, houses and resell them online at a competitive prices um so um so that's uh, helpful for younger designer to access material and good material um and at a smaller and more local level i have uh, the the pleasure to follow belgian designers who are being creative and more responsible with their clothing production and two example in particular comes to my mind such as uh, cm by charlotte mounser uh, who creates clothing lines for men and women with dead stocks from luxury brands and mm -hmm. she designs her collection in brussels although she does produce them in lebanon but in very small quant quantities and she knows a small workshop she goes there it's her father's land actually so she really has have a bond with them um, and they on the only things she produces are buttons and uh, cotton ribbons and her buttons are made of vegan ivory. I didn't know what that was, but it's actually nuts. <laughs> What's that? I'm <laughs> yes, curious uh, now. <laughs> and in terms of packaging, they are all 100% compostable and they are recycled. And another great example of happening here in Brussels is uh, Aco Studio. It's a 100% upcycling natural knit and denim brand for babies, children and adults. And uh, it's designed and handmade in, in Brussels in, uh, in Joya Seger's atelier. And uh, she's, uh, she's a designer who created her own fashion brand and now has this more uh, whole family sort of brand um, since she had her own children. And so she, yes, she reused denim, denim jeans, people that mm -hmm. people uh, give to her and shirts, etc., and knits. And well, it's, um, these are two of well thought out well executed refined long lasting brands and uh yes yeah, so great I projects to, to be great yeah. projects to be replicated to uh, other industries yes. in the, in this industry especially because uh, and we are now talking about fashion is one of the most uh damaging industries maybe in you know, one yes. of them in the world so the way we think and uh, how the brands communicate their you know their politics uh you know their their values and also there's here an important uh thing which is the consumer choice so what kind of yes. things we look for we buy uh what are we supporting with our money mm. in, in some way so how can we know if the brand is making it in, in a real way or if it's just fake and how yes. can we you know separate things or choose between brands that well, yeah yeah it's not a difficult <laughs> uh an, an easy sorry an easy thing to always 
do? Uh, well, first of all, I would say that to touch something you said, that it is important to assess our individual consumption habits and reduce impulse buying, research what styles and shapes fits our body beyond what's trendy right now. So that way we already reduce the number of bite investments. Um, then it matter, it's a matter of taking the time to research the brand, uh, read its website. Um, of course, not that many websites are being fully transparent about sourcing and production, but that's a start. And you can also write to them and demand those information. In this digital world, it has become much easier to get into contact, into direct contact with brands. Um, then it's also a matter of selecting what resonates best with you, uh, with us, and choosing products that are made in Europe should mean that labor is being better protected and better paid and um, should also mean that it's its travel footprint is smaller, as we said, and that gets even better if it's locally made. made. Um, then choosing artisan-made products will mean that the production uh, is not always completely sustainable, but it's smaller. And therefore, mm -hmm. uh, will most probably be less, there will be less waste pieces and uh, disregarded as garbage and um, so you can choose to order pieces from designers who work with recycled textiles such as the ones I mentioned Aiko mm -hmm. and uh, Siam. I also find very interesting this increasingly popular business model that is uh, on-demand production and this is another way to choose a brand that care more cares more about uh, product producing staple pieces for your wardrobe uh, with limiting production and really focusing on quality and durability of the pieces. Um, generally, the, those brands have a small range of a smaller range of clothes and selections by uh, launches. And um, I've seen this uh, in particular particularly with French brands recently, um, there was this uh, Réuni and Mr. K brands. Um, and really, this is another way of consuming as well. Of mm -hmm. course, it means waiting for the delivery of your piece, but you start to enjoy it more and uh, really choose what you wear and uh, in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. And that also applies to homeware and other other yes. things that we have at home, <laughs> not only our clothes, but also what our furniture, yes. everything that yes. we buy. So we should buy in a conscious way. Um, Vaya, where can more creative entrepreneurs find you <laughs> in the yes, digital well. world? In the digital world. So, um, yes, well, there's first of all the website. Uh, this is viasignus.com, where all information regarding our services is accessible. Uh, we are also active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And actually, by the time this episode airs, our own podcast will have been launched, <laughs> and uh, which is called Business Presso. Uh, as the name indicates it, there will be short episodes and for this first season we are very much focusing on new technologies and especially 
marketing technologies that are starting to reshape these industries of experience, know-how, beauty and lifestyle, uh, such as virtual platforms, as we discussed, and augmented reality, NFTs, metaverse. Um, and our goal is really to digest these new practices and tools to give brands a hand-on understanding of them and, and what they can do for their business, but uh, also sometimes help them to understand when it will be convenient for them to jump on the train uh, of one or the other technologies because it really depends on where your brand is at. If you just listen to all ads online and feels, it feels like you should be doing everything at once. It's overwhelming. But, <laughs> yes, but you really, it depends on where your business is and what your goals should be right now. Um, so yes, we really much focus on that. And uh, my view, this can also, also apply to us individually and not only businesses to just uh, focus on what we need to do right now and not listen to all the noises or what we should be doing, especially when you listen to Instagram. So um, <laughs> I, I, I just say, love yes. this idea of you having a podcast. Uh, it's <laughs> really... You. First, I love podcasts. If uh, if I if I didn't like, I wouldn't do this one. But I think it's really a yeah. a great way to to keep the conversation going. <laughs> yes, well, it's also thanks to you because I did um, I did enjoy your uh, training uh, training of the voice, and that really helped me to accept doing that kind of of communication work. So yes, it's a it's new challenge, and I really look. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hear one of the episodes that uh, now that you're going to launch it in this couple of weeks. Vaya, thank you so much for being here. It was really a pleasure to hear your voice again and to know everything that you are doing right now. And so I really recommend people to looking for you and also ask for your help if it's the case. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure to discuss the state of this industry with you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Did you like it? If so, feel free to spread the word. To discover more about vocal coaching, you can visit my website, voicepowerleadership.com, or contact me through LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. And always remember, your voice matters. <laughs> <laughs>